Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yo! Welcome into the House of L podcast. I appreciate you clicking on this episode for sure. This is going to be a fun one. This one's been in the works for a while. As a matter of fact, I should probably apologize to Jen Shahadi about this because we did the interview probably three, four weeks ago, and I'm just getting around to putting this episode out. I mean, I like to work ahead. So that we always have content. And I needed to play the the match against Joanne, which you'll hear about momentarily. Our podcast is brought to you by Mazda of Orland Park. If you're looking for a car, they're really good people. ZoomZoomNation.com is where you can go find a car. Ask for Eric if you ever make it out there to Mazda of Orland Park. He will treat you right. And we are brought to you by the fine folks. Over at Homeside Financial, our buddy David Hochberg, he helped me when it came time for me to to get a loan for my condo and refinance. He was the guy that I went to when I went to get a loan to buy my house. He was the guy that I went to. He helped me out immensely and he can help you, too. I'm, I'm not kidding you. Like, he's so good at this. And right now is a good time to refinance. If you're looking for a guy, he should be your guy. 855-56-DAVID or 56david.com. You can do the due diligence yourself. Go check him out and see what he's all about. But I'm telling you, he's the realness. Homeside Financial is an equal housing lender. NMLS number 1124061. Well, this episode is all about the Queen's Gambit. I have a friend, my colleague Joanne from DePaul, hit me up and was like, are you watching Queen's Gambit on Netflix? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not watching it. She was like, you need to watch it. And I said, why? She was like, you like chess. Just watch it. I proceeded to binge it after the recommendation. In two days, I watched all seven episodes. It's a mini series that Netflix put together. And it did like record numbers for Netflix. And it's about this woman who goes through a journey learning chess from the time that she's a child like there's a lot in the whole story uh it's fictional but you can clearly see they drew from some real experiences that female chess players have had but it's a fictional story that i think is is really good is one of the best things that i watched this fall and it, it gave me a reason to act. I grew up playing chess. Not competitively, though. I, my father, it's I meant to ask him. Maybe he knew I wasn't that good. That's why he didn't put me. My father never put me in chess competitions. It's one of those things where you end up at an uncle's house or 
a family reunion and my dad would be like, you should play them. And then I'd, I'd play family members or whatever when I was a kid. And they were impressed, but competitively, he didn't put me in chess. I was into other stuff. I was playing baseball or I was playing basketball or I was playing football even or softball on the south side. So he never really put me into chess, but we play each other or we did. We played each other all the time. My dad taught chess. And I didn't take that seriously until I was an adult. Here he was teaching chess to high school kids, and I didn't take advantage of the fact that that guy lived in my house. I I just looked at it as, oh, you know, he taught me chess, and we like to play against each other. The last time that we played was the last time that we'll ever play because I won. My dad and I have probably played 600, 700 games of chess in my life. I've won twice. And one of those times was when I was 13. And the other time was when I was 40. I think I was 39. My mother took a picture of the board because she knew it was a big deal for me to be able to beat him. And I was like, that's it. We're done. We are done playing for eternity. So I really, it, Queen's Gambit like really did something to me because it allowed me to understand how my father's brain works a little bit. Like my father's brilliant. He's brilliant. Scary smart. And when it came to him teaching me about chess, I struggled understanding some of the concepts because there's stuff that he sees on a chessboard that I don't see. So being able to watch the, the main character of Queen's Gambit, Beth Harmon, and seeing what goes on inside her mind as a viewer was really helpful because it's like, oh, this is, this is how my dad sees the board. I'm out here reading books <laughs> like... I'm I'm out here working on strategy and reading books and he's just always been able to kind of do whatever he wants. Part of the reason that I ended up with the interview with Jen Shahadi, which we're going to get to in a minute, is because I tweeted out, you know, I'm someone who covers sports. I've covered sports for my entire adult life. I'm more blown away by people who are able to play chess at that level than I am even the greatest athletes and it started a really wonderful conversation on Twitter of people being like yeah you know like I like chess too and I don't I don't play it as much as I want to play Queen's Gambit got me to the point where I was playing like five matches a night like against the computer because I'm you know I'm a little private so I've been playing, trying to up my game like every night. And so my friend Joanne has been saying like, socially, like we should play chess, like socially. I take things so seriously from a competitive standpoint that the idea that that she would see my weakness and and see me lose, it was hard for me to to take. So I hadn't taken her up on this 
But a lot of people inside of Twitter were talking about chess and it was really great. And then somehow Jen Shahadi like found me and she followed me. And I was like, oh, well, here's someone that I can talk to about chess. And hopefully she would say yes. So I went and did some research. Like I went and saw her TED Talks and some of the interviews that she's done in the past. And I wanted to pick her brain about what it was about this show that reached people in a different way and got people interested or reinterested in chess. Here's Jen's background. Um, she might as well just put on her resume, badass. She's written all sorts of stuff about chess. She also plays poker at a professional level, if that wasn't enough. She's the director of U.S. Chess Women and a two-time U.S. Women's Chess Champion. You know, she's like the best of the best. She's one of those people. So I got the chance to talk with her. Like, we set it up. She was all for it. And I was so happy to get her on the podcast because I've never talked to, outside of my father, you know, who won some tournaments locally. I've never talked to someone who's played chess at this level. And her, and you can, you'll be able to hear her dumbing herself down to talk to me. <laughs> but I also think that that's why she's a great teacher. Like she understands these difficult concepts and she makes them easy for people who don't think the way that she thinks. So I hope you enjoy this, especially if you loved Queens Gambit. I think that you're going to love it. But even if you didn't, I hope that this inspires you to get back to your chessboard or to watch the series, which I thought was really, really fun. U S women's chess champion two times. Jen Shahadi joining me here on the House of L podcast. Again, I thank you because I know that you're super busy, whether it's chess or poker or speaking or all of that. I, there's a lot of stuff I want to ask you. And, and let me start with Queen's Gambit itself because I, I wanted I wanted to kind of explain like what what went on. OK, so my dad plays like locally. He he was a master. He taught. He's always been like an even he's very like super chill like super even keeled i am a little bit more of my mother's child i am aggressive and most of my activities in sp were in sports so you had these outlets for your aggression where if you're playing football and you're mad you can go hit somebody you do that in chess you're disqualified but more than that it can sometimes backfire on you in, in chess. So it was fun for me to watch that series because I felt like I got a better understanding of how my dad's mind works. Not that it's going to help me beat him, because <laughs> I don't think that it is, but it was great for me to get kind of a better sense of how the people that play at the highest level think. So why, why do you think that people like you that are playing at the highest level, how do you think it's different the way you see the game versus what I would say I'm an advanced intermediate sees the game? 
Well, I think that it just becomes increasingly visual. Like you've got this kind of painting in your head. You, you, and we see that in the Queen's Gambit and it's like, it's playing in your head. It's like moving, like the pieces are moving. And I think the better you are, the more that is both clear and um, very intense. Like it's happening the entire game. Uh, it's interesting that you say that there's um, no aggression in chess because <laughs> actually I was once calling a tournament where the players were playing so quickly and banging the clock down because they were playing like blitz chess that there was actually blood on the what? board. Really? Somebody actually <laughs> slammed the clock so hard that we, and of course, like all the journalists there like had to get a photo of it. <laughs> and, and one of the technical consultants, and it's kind of a sad story because um, the, the series is partly dedicated to him because he, he recently died. But um, one of the chess consultants um, was actually the founder of something called chess boxing, which you might have heard of. Yes. Which is like an alternating round of chess and boxing. Yes. Yeah, I've seen that. And it, it's it's amazing to see that you put the, the physical with the mental and the mental with the physical it, with chess boxing. I've, I've always been astounded by people that can function in both in both worlds. But the it, when I was watching the show, like seeing seeing the way they depicted her visualizations of the board, I was sitting there going, I get this, even though I don't, I don't see chess that way. Like for me, I work, like you can see from my background, like I do a sports show in Chicago and I can see in baseball, like I can think a pitch ahead or a couple of pitches ahead in baseball because I was a catcher and you have some control over the game in that way with chess. I found it more and more difficult to be able to think four or five moves ahead. And it's, I think it's made me a lesser of a player. That being said, I enjoyed that series so much. And I wonder how did you feel about the depiction of, of, of our hero in this series and did it make sense to you granted we're talking 40 years later when you're dealing with any of this stuff but did the depiction of her in the chess world make sense to you well they nailed a lot of things like the the visualization of a chess player although usually tranquilizers don't help with that that part i, I was the only part, reason i was unhappy with that because i know it added a lot of drama and conflict into the series which was important from a storytelling point of view but as somebody who's trying to promote chess to girls it was so annoying <laughs> because it does kind of glamorize that drug use especially in the first couple episodes um but then in, then it, you know spoiler alert later on they kind of show a more balanced depiction of that about the horrors that they can inflict on you um but overall i thought it was a really great depiction of like what a chess player's mind and culture is like. Um, it was a bit of a fantasy, sure. but I think that's okay. Um, to me, it felt implicit that there was kind of like, you know, this veneer of fantasy and that there obviously would be more sexism and harassment to a female 100% surrounded by men. Like she was just surrounded by so many good eggs. And hey, there are a lot of good eggs in the chess world, but to, to, to really encounter nobody rotten, that, that's kind of unrealistic. When you're coming up through the ranks of tournaments throughout your life, what was the, the connecting thread of 
what you noticed from when you started to where you are right now? The connecting thread. Yeah, like, like what like what were the things that you thought you were going to see and then once you saw them in these tournaments, you kept seeing them no matter what level you were playing at? Well, I think one thing that comes up in chess, no matter what level you're at, and that's why it's such a cool game, is that the the underlying principles are the same no matter who you are, whether you're Beth Harmon or Magnus Carlsen or whether you're just starting out. And one recurring thing that people get wrong in chess is they miss something horizontally, or, or I like to say it, chess players think sideways, not straight ahead, because um, they're missing like something, what we call like an in-between move. So they're missing something that's on the next move, maybe or their opponent's reply, or maybe two moves ahead. Um, but they're not usually missing things like 20 moves ahead. Like that's kind of a myth. So I, it's, it's more like you're looking for all your different possibilities, whether you're Magnus Carlsen or whether you're um, just getting into the game from the Netflix series. So you're not looking at one possibility. We call that tunnel vision. You look at one possibility and you keep looking at it. And I think that's one of the best life lessons that chess has to give, that you should be looking for all your different options more than like trying to like uh, hyper-focus on one option and plan every potential thing that could happen. When did you know that you were a competitor? Because it's one thing to play something. It's another to be like, I want to win. Like, and and I, when I look at you, I'm seeing someone that's doing it on, on a couple different levels. The chess and poker to me, like the, the level of competition, I, I find it really fascinating that you've gravitated to both of those things. So when did you know I have a competitive spirit that goes beyond just an enjoyment of the game? Yeah, that was a little tough for me because my older brother is an incredibly good chess player and he was um, an international master, very young. He became a national, he became like one of the youngest national masters ever in the United States. And he was a very quick learner. So me, by contrast, uh, it takes me a little while to get things, but then when I get them, I soar upwards quickly. But tell that to a little kid whose brother is already a master and I was like languishing in the lower ranks and people were like, yo, what's up? Why are you so much lower rated than your brother? So I think what I had to do psychologically was kind of remove that pressure. And then I realized like, you know, I am very talented too. Like the way I can visualize the board, it might be slower, but hey, if you get it, then it doesn't matter, um, you know, how long it took you to get there unless you're playing blitz chess. And usually for chess players, the better you get at the slow game, eventually the fast game will get there too. Were there other things outside of chess and poker that you, you were ultra competitive at? Um, well, no, not really. I, I, don't, I think of myself more as a creative person than a super competitive person. And I think that I, I came to chess from that. And I told you about the visual side of chess. Um, one of uh, the great artists that's influenced, maybe been the biggest influence in um, contemporary art, Marcel Duchamp. He was a chess master and he talked about playing chess as that same thing I was talking about with Beth, seeing the pieces in the ceiling as a visual process where you're kind of like creating um, new positions, you're creating new visual visuals with every move that you play. Um, and, you know, I find this in poker too. To me, like, I love the math of poker and it's like the respect for the game. I want to play the good moves. 
it's not as much because I want to rip my opponent's king off or something like that. And but if I do play the right move, that's going to happen. So it's it's funny how you can come to it from those two different angles. You know, you can come for it. You love the game. So you want to respect it and play good moves. Then you're going to win. Or you can be like, I want to win. So I have to learn how to play well. And they both work. It's just a completely different motivation. I've heard you in, in whether it was the TED talk or in other interviews talking about how a lot of times we get the depiction of the chess world wrong. And it seems like Queen's Gambit got it right where Beth is competing with men. So this happens more often than people would expect, even though you're the, the women's grandmaster, there are more co-ed tournaments at the highest levels than people would expect. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, when I played very actively, most of the tournaments I played in were mixed gender. So they have some tournaments that have both women and men. um, And then some that have only women, but when people hear about the women's tournaments, they um, kind of, kind of get upset and think that it's only women's tournament or only girls tournaments. Um, The reality is there's like a combination of the two. And yeah, it's one of these few fields where women and men can compete on this um, equal playing field, which makes it very cool. And not just women and men, all different ages, all different backgrounds. One of the coolest things when I was a kid, which I think has stayed with me my whole life, is when you play chess, and my peak years of improvement were in my teens, um, which is actually kind of old for a chess prodigy. Usually peak years of improvement are a little younger. Um, So when I was coming up, I was playing against people three times my age. And I was also playing people half my age. And it's just like, we're all playing chess and we're all like on the same playing field. So I didn't really think of them as like that different than me, you know? So I wasn't like intimidated or I didn't feel like I had to beat a little kid. Um, it just felt like chess. And I would look at their, their rating level and determine like how likely I might be to win. Uh, and I think that's really powerful for young people. Just that whole concept of not thinking that anybody's better than you or worse than you um, is something I think that chess cutting through all these different barriers can do. And I, one of the reasons I believe that it's such a hit, the number one Netflix original ever I, I just heard this morning is because it's international appeal. Um, one thing I noticed about the series is that there's very little words in it, like compared to most series, right? Not a lot of dialogue or conversation at all. And so much of the story is told through like music and editing and chess. So uh, it can be really fun to watch, even if like English isn't your first language. Did you find the the chess scenes to be realistic? Oh, yeah. I mean, there are some things, of course, for dramatic appeal. Like we don't usually talk to each other in um, major competitions. That's kind of a no-no because it can distract the people around you. But um, that, of course, is just like a, a conceit to make it more watchable. And um, Gary Kasparov and Bruce Pandolfini, so Gary Kasparov, the greatest chess player of all time, um, many thank Magnus Carlsen, probably the only real competitor for that title. Um, and he's still going strong, Magnus, so he could, he could usurp that. Uh, but anyway, Gary was their uh, consultant for a lot of the pivotal games towards the end. And he was actually kind enough to come to my um, girls' chess class to talk about his work on the series. And man, he took it really seriously. Like the guy is not only the best chess player of all time, but he's a creative genius. And you can see how he took this task of, you know, scripting the chess scenes to match the the book and the script of Scott Frank as a serious challenge. 
Uh, and you know, it shows you've got basically two scripts going on, like the chess script and the overall script. And they, they were intertwined very, very elegantly. And I imagine that since you were talking about chess as this visual medium that for chess players to kind of give their seal of approval, that it has to look right if you're going to, to put it on display on a platform as big as Netflix. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That really helped because there's chess players, you know, there's more of us than people think, you know, especially now the chess world has actually been booming before the queen's gambit, partly because of like streaming and Twitch, partly because of Magnus, Gary, the St. Louis chess club near, near you um, is the, the biggest chess club in the country and has, like a lot of the, these amazing philanthropists who put on, you know, millions of dollars of chess tournaments. So uh, yeah, it's been really booming. So when the chess players found out about this, everybody was just like gaga over it. And yeah, clearly getting Gary involved was a, a winning move. Do you have a favorite chess set that you own? You know, I, I have a four-year-old. He, well, he's almost four. And so we have all sorts of like, um, niche chess sets like super mario brothers chess set batman chess set just to kind of get him excited about the game so i like those i even have like a hello kitty one which um is in my background right now so so with your family playing was there ever a thought of you not playing like because you know sometimes when you have families that are involved in a sport or in an activity it may push someone away from it because you're trying to not conform was there ever that moment or was it always going to be you were going to play chess? Oh, yeah. No, I thought about quitting. Like I mentioned earlier, I was a little slow. And then there weren't a lot of girls when I was turned around 11 or 12. And because I have these like creative sides to me, I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll just go for like the writing and the theater. So I quit chess for a couple of years. And then I came back to it in high school. And I think a lot of it had to do also, I was bullied a lot in junior high. So it was a little uncomfortable socially. So the idea of being the only girl was like really not exciting to me. High school, I became more you know, popular and it, I just did what I loved without thinking as much about what people thought of me. How'd you fight through the bullying? Um, God, I don't even, I don't know. <laughs> I guess there was no social media back then, but it was like something similar to that where like they had all these books and they would write like, they would have a page for every person in the class. And most of the people's pages were like really nice. And then mine was like 90% mean stuff. And I do remember there was like one or two nice things and I'll, I'll just never forget it. There was like one or two nice things. And I was like, wow, you know, <laughs> that means something. The, the, the two people who wrote nice things. Yeah. I, I lost touch with them, but I still remember their names. But see, that's great. Like you're sitting there like feeling bad because you're in somebody's burn book. And, <laughs> and luckily, like there's there's something good that helps to 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 push you forward. Yeah, exactly. Looking for the positive. And that's a lot what girls and women in chess and poker are like. They're very strong. Like they tend to be really good at grasping the nice things that people like all the positive attention and, you know, the interview requests, the kind words that people say because, you know, they're a role model and they're good at ignoring the negative, like the harassment and the mean comments, do you belong, that kind of stuff. And I think that's great on one hand, but I also think that we have to recognize that there's all sorts of personality types and not everybody has the same support network. You know, I come from a chess family. I, I had a school where there was a great chess team. So I had a lot of people to like kvetch to if like, you know, people were getting out of line, but there are people who might be more sensitive and like one, 
mean comment or like harassment incident could turn them off to like these male dominated fields forever. So that's why it's really important, I think, to be like vigilant about making things better, even if they're like good for the people that are there now. How do you think you've evolved as a chess player? Um, well, I think when I was, a, I think when I was a, a kid, I liked really fast games to play. Now I like really fast games to watch, but I prefer like the slower games. I feel like they match my, my kind of like brain better to, you know, have time and, and, and our times also, because everything's at such a fast pace right now that like, to me, the beauty of chess where our times is to kind of be able to slow down a little bit and just let yourself think about something for longer than five seconds. So there's so much stuff that's on your resume with all of your winning and also being an author. How satisfying was it for you to share the game with people through your creative outlet of, of writing and speaking? Oh, it's always, yeah, it's always a real pleasure to kind of like show people you know, that creative side of the game. And that's why like the Queen's Gambit felt so exciting because more people saw that. One of my favorite projects that I did was Hula Chess, which was where, similar to chess boxing, where I was like, it was like kind of a a video art project where I was hula hooping and playing chess at the same time with my friend, Gabrielle Revlock, who's a professional dancer and like artist. And the thing that struck me about that was, how it showed that in chess, there's like this creative side and this like circular side where you're like, you know, it's feminine side. And then there's also like these like, you know, angles and, you know, winning and losing zero sum and how like that was kind of like a merging of the two. And, you know, it struck me recently about that because uh, obviously the main character in the Queen's Gambit played by Anya Taylor-Joy is getting rave reviews for her work. Um, because she looks a lot like a chess player when she plays. She really has got it down. And she credited that to her work in dancing because apparently like the dancers are just so good at picking up on those like small movements and then imitating them. And you see that like when she's playing blitz chess, it just looks like she's a grandmaster. I mean, it's insane. I've never seen anything like that. And uh, I think that that kind of goes into like how there's this creative side of chess that people didn't really understand before as much until the show came out. So you're working with your child who now is in this family of chess players. So, you, so do you know at this point if your child is a prodigy? No, I don't know. I don't know. I, he's, he's, le- he's under four. Normally the right age to teach kids chess is like four and a half to six. It just depends if they're interested. You don't want to turn them off. So I think less than four is a little bit too early. Um, Also, I think that for a lot of people, chess should be something that accentuates their life. Um, For some people, they'll get great enjoyment out of being a champion. But for many, I think that chess is a networking tool and a vehicle to, you know, become your best self, to understand the flow experience. Some of these things are particularly important for young women. And I, I don't see it as, something that everybody has to tackle like to become the best chess player ever well one of the reasons that i got into the show was my my good friend joanne who plays and she's really good we haven't played yet because i know how much better she is than i am so i know that it's a butt whooping so let me ask you as someone who everyone you play for the most part you're going to be better than is there anything that i can gain 
from getting my butt kicked and playing her. Oh, yeah, definitely. If, if, if she's too much better than you, like, ideally, if you played 10 games, how many games would you win out of 10? Maybe two. Maybe. Okay, that's pretty good. That's good. That means it's a really good opponent. Like, you know, if you're not going to win any games out of 10, then you, you want to kind of find somebody where you have, like, a, a chance. But two out of 10 means that, like, you know, in poker, that would be, like, kings versus aces. You know, we, we get there sometime. And then you're going to feel really proud of it. And you can learn something from the ones that you lost. Because if you're winning two out of 10, that probably means that you have good positions at any moment in all the other games. And if you want to try to get better quickly, my biggest advice would be to try to focus on puzzles. Um, because I think that that's usually, uh, if you haven't done a lot of puzzles before, they're just basically like, we also call them tactics. And they're like little diagrams of positions that happen in real games or even fake games. And you have to figure out how to like checkmate in two or three moves. And it's just like training at the gym. Like if you do that and then you play against Joanne and one of those patterns comes up in your game, the chances of you finding it are like 10 times higher. Well, the, I've gotten back into playing and you're right. This, the, the, where we are as a, a republic and a world right now is more time for self-reflection. So I enjoy playing chess. So I started playing again on a couple different apps. So I'm up to playing five games a night over the last two weeks, which is perfect for me. And it fits like into my lifestyle and stuff. So what I did, though, is I said, you know, where I w was never really strong was in picking a particular opening and really learning about it. So I've honestly just been playing Queen's Gambit for the last 25 games like I've just been doing that and I'm like okay let me focus on that and try to learn that and then maybe I can learn something off of it have you settled or I mean I'm probably giving away your I don't want to give away your strategy but are there a couple of different openings that you like to use or are you just open to I'm whatever I'm feeling that day is going to be my open I have a few openings that I prefer. Um, the Sicilian is one of my favorites, as Beth also loves in the series. Mm -hmm. I've always been an E4 player, and in the series she plays the Queen's Gambit, which is D4. But I, I have to tell you, you know, it's been such a success that in some of my classes that I give, you know, for girls, we're doing like Queen's Gambit theme tournaments and things like that. We, ha we have this uh, cross-cultural program with girls from Kenya and U.S. chess girls, and we're going to have like a tournament where everybody plays the queen's gambit so I, i'm gonna have to learn i have to learn because i think it's, it's really just so hot right now and it's a good excuse to learn you know basically the opening that um is inspiring so many people and by the way i think that the queen's gambit is also very ai approved um like artificial intelligence alpha zero which was developed by google DeepMind. Um, recently became like the strongest chess player in history, better than the other computer programs and certainly better than any other humans. And uh, the way that it ended up getting so good is it played itself over and over and over again. Uh, and I believe that was the primary opening that it settled on, hmm. uh, the Queen's Gambit. So huh. funny art and science colliding a little bit there. Yeah, and uh, that's so interesting that that would be the case. Well, where would you like to see chess be? Like, now that there's, there's heat on chess right now, there's energy 
that, that you said was growing before Queen's Gambit came out. And now there's a lot of energy flowing out of it coming out. People are, are watching it. What do you hope happens because of the popularity of it? I hope it sticks around when we start playing live tournaments again, when this, uh, you know, this, this uh, lifts this time, um, the coronavirus, like travel restrictions, um, when we can all get vaccinated. And I hope it kind of sticks around the popularity. And I also hope that we can get, back to classrooms and education because one thing I've noticed as the women's program director at US Chess where I'm trying to encourage girls and women to play chess is that you know it's hard for some people to access all of the great benefits of chess right now there's like a a complete world online of all these like free chess lessons free chess programs but it, it can be hard to navigate it as a child and the children with like the very engaged parents are really just like kind of leaping ahead right now, Mm -hmm. which is great for them, but it also could create increasing inequality. So I'm very anxious for that to that period to end so that, you know, we can get back in the classroom so more people can have access to the benefits of chess because there's a lot of great chess in the schools programs all over the country, but most of them are being done digitally now. And, you know, just not everyone can access them. Is there any place digitally that you would give your stamp of approval to, like people that are doing and teaching the right way online that that you would say, yeah, that that's a good place for someone to start to learn the the basic strategies of what's going on with chess? Well, yeah, I mean, there's lots of great resources on YouTube, which are most all free. You just have to watch ads. St. Louis Chess Club, chess.com. Lee Chess is a totally free open source server, so that's cool. And of course, my classes at U.S. Chess Women are great for women and girls. We just started beginners classes. For people who are more advanced, I've heard very, very good things about Chessable because it's very much about the science of learning. Um, Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. That, that's a little bit when you're trying to, like, memorize openings and memorize patterns. But maybe for you, because it sounds like you already have some experience. All right, man, I'll check that out. I, I really appreciate your time, and I'm so glad... Uh, that you were available to talk. I Your story, like the more down the rabbit hole that I was watching you do interviews or watching you do TED Talks, I'm like, man, like she's she's more than chess for sure, but you're also all about chess, which is a weird combination to be able to pull off. And I'm glad that you had time to to hang out with me and, and talk about my rekindling of my love for this game. Wow, well, good luck against Joanne, right, Joanne? <laughs> Joanne's going down. She's going to have to come to the women's classes. She's going to get some more, some more training, and then we'll just do this circle. Yeah, that'd be fine. <laughs> She's going to totally crush me when, when we play. I'm, I'm, uh, but but I, I'm less scared now to, to play her. I'm going to go into it with, with what you were saying. Like, if I can think about it as playing a series of 10 – and I scratch a win or two off of her in 10, then I'm doing something right. And do some puzzles. Do some puzzles, whether it's WeChess or Chess.com or whatever apps you're using. They almost all have puzzles. Basically, puzzles is like a stealth like play. 
you're trying to like get higher score than you had before on checkmating, you know, a, a fictional opponent. So it, it's really useful. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks for your time today. I appreciate it. You're welcome. This was great. You were, yeah, you're such a good interviewer. So it, it was, it felt like totally different than all my other interviews, despite having done so many about the Queen's Gambit. So, well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. That's where <laughs> my focus is, is on interviewing. So it's, I'm glad that, uh, that I, I try to take my time and try to learn my subject and not make it as much about me, even though this was a lot about me and chess, but I'm, I'm truly thankful for you saying that. That's very nice of you. Have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. You too. Reach out anytime you need chess advice, okay? You got it. And I'll tag you once this episode goes live, okay? Fantastic. Thanks. And, and Bye. Because my plan is I'm going to also interview Joanne. Oh, nice. Love it. Got it. So, That's so cool. It'll be good. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Good day. So I took Jen's advice. First of all, she's awesome. I don't know if you're... If you're on the Twitter.com and you want to follow her, like she engages with people on Twitter, especially about chess. You can find her at Jen Shahadi, S-H-A-H-A-D-E, okay? If you want to find her, that's where. I took her advice, and a couple of weeks after I did the interview, I told my friend Joanne that, I was going to interview Jen, and she was really excited about that. And Joanne set it up. She's like, we can play. Now, Joanne doesn't like to play online because she's tactile. She likes to touch the pieces, but clearly we're living in an environment where being close to people is kind of dangerous at this point. So we waited until we got a day in November that like really nice day in November where it was like 60 degrees that night Joanne invited me to her deck in her backyard and she had the board set up we were outside and we had a socially distanced game of chess I wanted to bring in Joanne to talk about all of this stuff and talk about the Queen's Gambit because she's the person that got me into watching the Queen's Gambit in the first place and talk about the game that we played because I've been ducking Joanne for literally years, ducking her on playing this match between the two of us. It didn't go as badly as I thought it would go in my mind. And I don't think that she was taking it easy on me. So I feel somewhat excited about me being able to at least hang with her. Like my biggest fear was this is going to be over in 10 moves and I'm going to be super embarrassed. It wasn't. I was able to drag this thing out. I was able to drag my loss out. It was fun, too, because you don't get a chance to like hang out with your friends these days. And she's one of my best friends. So being able to hang out with her and play chess and get over that fear after the strength that I got from Jen pushing me forward on this was pretty cool. So I wanted to talk to Joanne about chess and about our game and why she got involved and why she wanted me so badly to check out Queens Gambit, which I did. And I enjoyed. So this is me and Joanne talking about chess. So Jen told me, she told me that I should play you, that (laughs) 
that I was I was afraid to play you. We did play our game, our match, and I'm glad I did. But one because I thought it was great. Like we got a chance to like hang out and do it in a socially distanced, safe way. I thought was pretty cool on what was like the last nice day of the fall. It was so nice then. It is not nice now. But we had the little heater on. We had our distance, the board between us. It was perfect. Yeah, it it worked out really well other than me getting my ass kicked. But I was expecting that, and I actually played better than I expected to play. So it that's took good. Me years to finally play me. I'm very happy Jen convinced you to. Yeah, I'm I'm happy that she did too. So so let me ask you some of the stuff that I was asking her about. Okay. When did when did chess become like a, a a significant part of your life? I learned to play when I was in third grade, so I was eight. But it became a significant part of my life when I was nine in fourth grade. So, in school, we in elementary school we had our gifted and talented program, and for what they did then was they put us all in the same classroom. So they rounded us up all from the district and they put us all in the same class together. So I had the same, you know, classmates that I did for years. And the teacher taught it that year, Mr. Doyle Satterley. He was my fourth grade teacher and was a chess master. And he integrated chess as a lesson during the day, just like English and science. So we had social studies and recess and music and chess. Like that was just a subject we studied. So we all went through this. And that's when I started competing. I started competing that year and it never it didn't strike me for years as something that not everyone did. Like, that's just what we did. We played chess. We all played chess together. And we all did it as a class. My friends all did it. It was what we all did and how we did school. What did you like about it? What drew you to it? Well, I don't, I didn't really have a choice. I mean, it was school. <laughs> yeah, but, um, but you were excelling at it. Like, it wasn't just that, you know, you were excelling at this thing. It's, it's strategic. I'm a very strategic thinker. I'm a planner and it meshes very well with that though. Very chicken in the egg. I have wondered when I was about, but uh, gosh, about five years ago, I had this realization, this moment of something happening. And I realized that, wait a second, how I think, which is I extrapolate three steps ahead in every direction. Like it is exponential. Like you see those little, little trees of diagrams going out as how people think. And it wasn't until a few years ago that it hit me that not everyone thinks like that. <laughs> well, just how you think. That's just what thinking is. That I assumed that, well, that's what thought patterns are. That's what thinking is. Everyone thinks the same way. And it hit me. I mean, I, I really was much older than I should have been coming to this realization that most people do not think how I do. They're not as strategic. They're not as extrapolating in all directions as I am. And I do it quickly. I was actually at a, a board game party one year with a whole bunch of people I didn't know. I was kind of the new girl. So I show up and I'm like, well, I don't know any of you, but sure, I'll this game, like take turns playing different games and all evening. And one of them we played and I would sit there and I was like, okay, like, I don't know any of you wasn't really making conversation. I was just, you know, playing to make these decisions on cards. Like you were given a set of cards and you play a certain one. And I was always the first one down to choose. And one of them, she turns to me and goes, you're one of the most decisive people I have ever met. That once I decide something like these are all the options, this is what I want. I'm going to go with this one. And I stick with it. Hmm. 
Like that's just how it's been. So a question that I thought is, which came first? Was I already thinking like this and chess naturally fit or did chess teach me to think like this? What have you come to the conclusion of? It doesn't matter. It's how I think. It is how you think. And it's how Jen thinks. And it's how my dad thinks. And I think that it's hysterical that people who are gifted in the way that you all are gifted don't understand that the rest of us can't see the world that way. No. <laughs> it took me much too long to put that together. Like I was saying to Jen, like my father would would talk to me about strategy like me and he would say hey do whatever you want like i'll adjust to it and he wasn't saying it to psych me out he was just yeah go okay try whatever whatever makes you comfortable in playing the game and i'll figure it out because that's that's what it, it's it's such a strange thing it's part of the reason why in athletics some of the greatest athletes are not great coaches because Michael Jordan says, well, why, why wouldn't you just dunk from the free throw line? And, and the players, what do you, what? Like how, like, how am I supposed to do that? And it's like, Oh, well you just do it. Right. But if, unless you've got those gifts, like that, that's a hard directive to follow. Yeah. It's, there are multiple ways of approaching things. And there are, there are those who approach chess in that kind of, in a more prescriptive manner like that. They study and they learn and there are openings and endings. And this is the, the pattern that things should go. This is the sequence of moves of how it should be. But your dad's reaction was, you know, move how you want. I will then extrapolate all the different options that come from the next move, what you could be thinking, what your motives are. And I will then respond accordingly, which, I think is a lot of fun in playing chess or any strategy game. But I it, it reminds me of dance, actually. There's also the same thing in dance where it's very prescriptive and you can do a choreographed dance that this can be exactly how you do it, or it can be much more lead and follow, which is reactive to whatever the next moment happens to be in the next moment and you take it from there. When you were competing, did you feel any kinship in watching Queen's Gambit with what Beth, Beth was going through? Um, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I am not a chess prodigy in any way. I mean, I was not competing on an international level like Beth Harmon, nor did I show up my first tournament and like wipe the floor with everyone. Um, there were a lot of statements that the Queen's Gambit made. Um, what was, I mean, the kinship would have been just being one of the few women to compete competitively. There weren't that many, particularly when I was competing. Um, but what was different is that women were not treated that well. They're still not treated that well. I mean, I don't know who this meant. I'm like, this was not the experience that I had at all. Um, it was a lot of animosity of how dare she show up and do this. Really? Like, I mean, I, I understand it. I mean, because Jen and I talked about it and I, you and I have talked about chess before. I just, I'm trying to figure out exactly how that became a part of the patriarchy like a game where your your brilliance should just be something that is like oh man here's another brilliant person who's a really good strategist it's one of those things where you can't even take like the physical aspect of it and men being like well you shouldn't play football because women are 
this and men are this. Like with a game like chess, it it still strikes me as being odd that there is that 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 men continue to act like this in a game where they shouldn't. But it's a game that they've always it's a fear that they've always had the the headlines in and had the winning dominating space. It was the 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 dominant group still is, and it probably will be for a very, very long time, if not for always. Um, but being in working in IT for 22 years, it was a similar pattern where I, I don't look like a stereotypical IT person or a stereotypical chess player. I was the girl that showed up with my hair curled with a bow in it. I mean, I didn't have the <laughs> curls back then, but there's a picture of me that I was waiting um, between rounds and I'm sitting on a book or sitting um, on these folding chairs reading a book with this um, floral bow in my hair but I was by myself is that I was kind of separate from everyone else it was not that same kind of camaraderie or kinship I was the the odd one out and a lot of times still am I apparently just get naturally attracted to fields where no one expects the girl lipstick and heels what drew you to the show because it's one like look I I there's a there's a show that used to be on cable that that a lot of sports fans love that was about fantasy football that I didn't like and everyone's like well how can you not like it it's about sports and it's about fantasy football and I'm like I don't I'm just because it's about a subject that I care about doesn't mean that that I'm going to fall in love with it um so just because it's a woman playing chess doesn't mean that you would necessarily like it. So what oh, no. was it that drew you to that? Well, it was it was the combination of things. It was a woman playing competitive chess. It was, I mean, I've had, I will break it down by the text that I've received. Okay. Numerous. In fact, I even just got one today of, have you seen the Queen's Gambit? It reminds me so much of you. It I'm does. Like, I don't know why. And people will either text me because it's competitive chess. It's a woman playing chess. Um, the fashion of Beth Harmon, uh, the the staff or the the wit. I was told today was one of them. Like there's a confluence of things. But for me, it was a, just a really great story. Like I watched the whole thing through twice, and I rarely watch television twice or a movie twice. I don't return to them, but. I watched it the first time and I just kind of took it all in. And the second time I went through and I looked for all the nuances and was actually quite impressed where they would explain things about chess um, to Beth, who was new to tournaments so that the audience as a whole, everyone could understand it, where it wasn't a world that we were not allowed to be a part of. And that all was very accurate. Those chess sets where I've got one of those sets in my closet, the, 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 travel plastic sets that the weighted ones um lawrence knows that i'm very big on my weighted chess pieces and for me it's very tactile chess is how it feels so i'm terrible at online chess but i'm i uh, i'm not too shabby playing in person yeah and aren't you doing like if you if we were to play a game online which will probably be the next time that we play Mm-hmm. you'll set the board up so that you can look at the board that way, like three-dimensionally instead of just two-dimensionally. Yeah, I played out. So I set up the board, um, and um, if I make a move, then I'll you know make the move on the board and then put it on the, the app. And then when the move comes in, I will actually move it on the board. So I physically play it out. The The fashion aspect of it, her style as it evolved, it reminded me a lot of you. I... I I mean, I, I think that that's a pretty that's a pretty <laughs> spot on. Uh, 
observation by everyone that that the fashion aspect. So oh, these are things I don't quite get, but I I appreciated the way that they were showing was, fashion. So what what was it like? What did you dig about it? But it was important to the story that Beth was never trying to fit into that world. She was trying to be herself in that world and figure out who herself is. Um, that fashion was simply a representation of it. That she could have worn, um, you know, pants and blouses and sweaters the whole time and just tried to blend in as opposed to standing up on her own and being who she is and letting that shine through. It's really hard to take that stand and stand out sometimes. You were very verbose in in recommending the show to me. You're like, look, <laughs> you need to be watching this show why why did you think number one i needed to watch it and why were you recommending it to people it was plain good television i was to be fair i was really surprised that so many people watched it because i mean i have a personal interest in watching a you know mini series about chess uh, i wasn't sure that everyone else would be as well but it was almost this confluence of perfect everything, perfect storm coming together to put it together and to release it during the pandemic where we watched an evolution of a person. We watched travel throughout the world and everything that we've been restricted the moment. So it was an escapism through a medium that people didn't feel that they ever lost. No one played chess. Well, few people play chess. It wasn't something that was lost to them, the ability to go out and play other people in chess games. For me, I'm like, I, I miss it. But for the majority of people watching it, it was a very neutral um, sport, very neutral activity in which to grapple with some of the other losses that we've had. It's interesting to me, too, that it fits inside of formulaic movies that we've seen and celebrated that have other things like this this could could be rocky it's it's kind of the same type of thing it's just so layered where is it i tell you that i've never seen rocky what wow is, i don't know if we can be friends <laughs> there's still a few more months in this pandemic i'll i'll, I'll put it on the list okay I, I would say you could probably stop after rocky too Okay. Uh, and I would tell you that the Creed movies are good. Like Creed one is really good. You don't have to get into the whole mythos of, of Rocky, but Rocky one is actually a really good film. The rest okay. of them are movies. Gotcha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's, 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 it's weird because Beth, what I do think it, what, what it challenges in those formulas is Beth is an overdog not an underdog. She's an overdog, and yet we still root for her. She flips. She begins as the underdog. Right. And then she hits this middle ground, which is actually my favorite part of the miniseries. It's when she's playing Benny um, at that uh, one of the dinky um, U.S. Opens that's in this like old university um, seminar room. A lecture room and that's actually my favorite scene in all of it because it actually works through how she thinks i will make this move and then he will do this and he'll do this and then the board resets and then you do it again and board resets and do it again and board resets I'm like that's how my mind works just very very fast I'm like that's it that's the first time i've seen it explained that way 
Um, but that's also where things change and she becomes that, that overdog. She's the, the one to beat, but at what cost? And then it goes through the rest of the things there. I was having a moment while watching it because I watch a lot of sci-fi and, and I've, I've watched my fair share of M night Shyamalan movies that I was starting to think that the twins were in her mind. <laughs> wow. Okay. I was cause they, they would show up like right when she needed them to show up, they would I mean, be there. Have that Everyone has people like that in their lives. I agree. But, but while I'm watching it and considering the, the other part of the story with, with the drug <laughs> use, I was sitting there going, Oh, so this is the, this is the thing. Like all of this stuff, she's imagining some of this stuff going on. And, and I was very pleased at the end that that wasn't the case, that, <laughs> that, that, that I had taken my mind to sci-fi land and it was, it was okay that she was just like, these were just her friends. And at the end of it, like that building of community, I thought was really dope. But it was important that they were there. What I liked about the twins is that they were the ones that kind of ran things. Like they had an idea how it goes, but chess was never their whole lives. They faded out pretty quickly in playing competitively. Like that was not their thing to do. It was just something kind of fun to do, which is the majority of those who play chess and who've ever played in tournaments. It's something fun and I enjoy it, but I don't play in tournaments now. A lot of people who I grew up with don't play in tournaments now. It's how it becomes a part of our lives and stays a part of our lives, but it doesn't become our lives. Would you ever consider playing in a tournament at this point? Sure, but um, I'm, I'm having a hard time getting over the concept of being in a whole bunch in a room full of a bunch of people right now. So, <laughs> that's my hesitation was trying to like picture past this. I mean, I'm, I mean, you know, that I'm high risk. So that's like a big thing for me. It's like, whoa, that's the hard stop. No, I wouldn't. But let's imagine the world after this. And I would, but I'm not too sure I'd have the same enjoyment as I did when I was a kid. So it would be different. And I don't know if I'd want to to do that again. I'd, I'd rather just play my friends. I just sincerely enjoy it. I enjoy winning or losing. I mean, the last the games that I played before you, I lost. But it was, they were such a great game that I had so much fun losing. It was exhilarating. I, I agree. I had more fun losing than I expected. And it's that is the really difficult part for me is knowing that I was going into a battle that I was going to lose and it became, well, how are you going to lose? Like, how, how are you going to deal with this? Because I don't I won't say that I. In athletics. I was a good loser, like I was OK, like I understood why I lost and I never let things get out of hand but for some reason and it, it was the whole impetus for doing this I have always envied people like you or like my dad or like Jen more than athletes like really? oh yeah like I can I can say that I reached enough of an athletic height that I'm satisfied with what happened I got to 
get close enough to find out I wasn't good enough to go pro. And that, that in itself is a victory. And I'm around these guys all the time. I'm around these women. I'm not around a lot of minds like yours, other than, you know, yours. Um, <laughs> and seeing people, because I, I remember even being a kid when I was playing, like seeing people that can map it out that far in advance. I, I, I think that there's something so cool about that. And for me, the challenge has always been in other aspects of my life, I can do that. Like career wise, I've done that for 25 years, mapping out contingency after contingency or this leads to this leads to this leads to this. And I haven't been able to harness it and concentrate long enough to do it in chess. Why do you think that is? Um, I think some of it is. I think that there I would love to know how many great athletes are good chess players. Well, that's a good question. Because there's there's a, an issue of aggression that I have that I wonder if people that are doing things physically, if there's a space for them to not do it physically, because that's my oh. biggest thing. Like well, I get aggressive and then it goes haywire. No, but I think there is. I mean, if you look back, what is it? Is it the Packers who play Catan? Like that was the big thing that they did where it was, it's still strategic though. It totally blew my mind. Um, Dr. Paul Booth, who we work with, um, who were talking one day about how he gave me an article, how Catan is a, a cooperative game. And to me, <laughs> I remember my mind was blown away. To me, it's never been cooperative. I'm like, this is a strategic game that you are out to win. I'm like, what is this cooperation? So it's, that would be a very interesting thing to see, but I think the answer probably tend towards more than you think but it may not be chess per se well now you have a lot of the guys there's even a league I, I was watching it televised the other day and i was amazed there's a whole baseball Fortnite league <laughs> don't tell my kid that i won't i won't but but it but that plays into what one would think of an athlete like you're on your own and 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 it's aggressive and physical and maybe a little violent like all of those things i do wonder i'm going to i'm going to that's going to be like my next thing my next thing is going to i'm going to start talking to people and find out who the chess players are like in chicago sports what was really interesting that you're i'm on my you're on your own where i don't see Team sports is like that, that you are very much working as a collective group. But chess, you are on your own. It is one against one. Well, in baseball, baseball is a team sport that is really an individual game. It, it's really batter versus pitcher. And while there is some work that has to be done within the fielding aspect of the game, when you're hitting, it's you versus yeah. him. And that's it. And and it's in football. It is. It's eleven guys having to work as one. Sometimes in basketball, though, it can be a little one on one. But there's, I, I like the way that you put it because you're right. It's about you versus your opponent, and in most cases in chess, it's about you versus you. Like what 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 you are doing, how you what your line of strategy is like, and how do you break the other person 
of what their strategy is. See what I mean about aggression? Like, see how my mind works? See how well, the, the, the awful way my mind works? Not awful. I mean, ask anyone who's played me and who, who knows me that I am very competitive. Very. I am very competitive. So to me, it's like, all right, no. Like, what do I need to do to win? Like, this is what we're on. How do we figure it out? I wouldn't necessarily say it's aggression, but competitiveness has a very significant play in how how I play and what I do. All right, I'm going to wrap up with this. Okay. Do you want that story with Beth to continue, or are you satisfied that it's had a conclusion? I think Beth's story is done. It's... I don't think the story of women in chess is done by any means. I mean, look at the women who currently exist and are playing. Like, that's where the next story should go, and that's what people should follow. Beth Harmon is a fictional story. It's, uh, it was uh, dramatized. No, I can guarantee you that no Russian man on the international stage who's going to lose in that high profile of a game will hug a girl. <laughs> <laughs> It was a fictional fantasy miniseries that ran its course of the narrative and it should stop there. Did you want that outfit that she ended the series in? Because I feel like you rocked that outfit. Oh my God, yes. That isn't true for most of them, actually. (laughs) What was your your favorite one? I did not like the coat that had the the button at the collar like that. I didn't like that. Um, But... I liked so many of them for so many reasons. I mean, anything with a full skirt makes me happy. That's true. That's true. Well, once again, I appreciate you for uh, a, kind of helping to reawaken that that little chess monster that resides inside of me. Where well, my memory is complete. Yeah, now that I'm back to like playing regularly. Um, and, and I appreciate you opening up your backyard so that we could play chess together. And it was cool. I'm glad that we did it. And I'm looking forward to the next time we do. Well, you let me know when you want to play again. I'm totally game. Yeah, I got to work on some stuff. But. Oh, no, just play. Games are meant to be played. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to play. I'm, I can do it. I can do it. So once... everyone, everyone who's listening here needs to convince Lawrence to play me again relatively soon. Once the weather breaks again, I'll be out. And you serve the mole wine. <laughs> I will do. Thank you, Joanne. My pleasure. So that's my good friend, Joanne. And we are going to play again. I'm, I'm not going to punk out. I'm going to play her again. I, I, I will tell you, I was more encouraged from our game than I thought I was going to be. It was really great. She also, honestly, during this pandemic, like being able to go hang out in her backyard has been one of the best things about the pandemic is she's got a backyard that is big enough for there to be social distance, but you can still hang out. The suburbs is great, man, for that type of thing. I'm a city kid, though, so I still have a lot of affection for my little postage stamp yard that I have on the south side. But her yard is banging. So we'll play again. This was a really fun episode to explore. And I got to tell you, like it being able to trade notes with Jen and being able to talk with Joanne about something that 
friends of hers know like she she plays chess and she's good at it but now like seeing why she's good and how good she is was a real joy like i didn't see in, in the game that we played in the match that we played it was a race to 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 see who was going to get to the other's king and i knew i was in trouble like i knew i was in trouble and i was like okay if i can if <laughs> If I can take advantage of this position, I might be able to put her in peril in like six moves. And when I got to my fourth move, I was like, oh, this whole time she's been setting me up and I'm going to be mated in three moves. Got it. Trying to work through that problem was really, really rough, but it was... I'm so glad that we did it. Like it, it felt like a, a sea of normalcy in what has been an abnormal time, and like getting a chance to, to meet Jen, even virtually, has been a delight. And her, like, she followed me like on on Twitter. Like that was crazy, to be able to compare notes with her, and hang out with her and talk about chess. So. I appreciate that. Those two great women. And I've found out that I have more friends. And I'm finding what is cool about Queen's Gambit is I'm finding out that I have more female friends that play chess than I thought. And I think that that's excellent. And I hope that it's a trend that continues. Uh, my niece and I, I, we, she knows the pieces. And my niece is seven now. And she knows the pieces, and we go through them, or at least we did, you know, when you could see each other. We go through them, and I think that if she wants to play chess, she'll be good at it. Because she's, she's got some of that killer instinct in her, too, which is great, except when it's not great in my case. But I'm, I'm going to stop talking about my own game. But I hope that you enjoyed the episode, because I did. And a lot of people hit me up. If you've got things that you want to say, you're a chess player and you want to talk about this, talk about this episode, I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed doing it. Here's the email, houseoflpodcast at gmail.com. I'll say it again slowly, houseoflpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks to our benefactors. They have been with us this year, and it's been a really good run with Mazda of Orland Park, ZoomZoomNation.com. I really thank them for their support of everything that I was doing, whether it was the the one-minute recaps that I was doing on Twitter or being a part of this podcast. They have been terrific partners. And thanks to David Hochberg, too, and Homeside Financial for supporting what it is that we do on this here podcast. That'll do it. I know we covered a lot of ground in that episode, but I'm glad that I got a chance to do it. I I got a chance to reintroduce you. Like Joanne's been on the podcast before. Like she'll be on again because she's uh she's a woman of many talents. But I appreciate you listening. I hope that you enjoyed Queen's Gambit. I'm gonna check out Queen of Cotway too again but thanks for your support go play some chess with someone 
maybe at some point I'll tell you what my tag is on chess.com. Maybe. Talk to you next time. Peace. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.